Anything's possible, though, because, you know, Bitcoin is money, so, you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Cointelegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Recording now. You want to go ahead and uh, start us off, D? Yeah, no problem. In Tim. All right, everybody. We're here with uh, Win uh, from iBank Bitcoins, a trader. Uh, we've had him on the show before. Um, yeah. And now he's coming back to give us some, he's going to enlighten us on the trader world, on how he's been since. So how have you been since when? I've been pretty doing pretty well, man. Uh, I think uh, literally, literally everything has been going up uh, in the cryptocurrency space since we last talked about. It. I think Bitcoin was at like about seven hundred dollars last time. Now it's like twelve hundred. Uh, Ethereum has been going up. So as as a trader, when volatility picks up, it's it's, it's fantastic for everybody. That's, yeah, for a good trader, you make the, uh, you make money on both sides, don't you? Well, you hopefully make money on both sides. Well, actually, I think from I, I I actually placed a couple of shorts, but generally speaking, I think uh, the longs have paid off much better, <laughs> as as you can see. Yeah, lately. Uh, it, and so, what what do you typically trade in? Is it is it just mainly Ethereum and Bitcoin? Have you have you branched out since the last time we've talked? Yeah, uh, I I think anything that moves that has legitimacy, like first of all, to rule out the ones that don't trade are like. The ones I have, I've done no research about, like no fundamental about, like is it a scam, a Ponzi scheme, that kind of stuff. Some things, some people prefer, you know, some people think it might be a Ponzi scheme. I don't know, but uh, do some due diligence on the coin itself, right? So now I trade. Uh, I've been trading a little bit of Monero, a small size though, mostly focused on Bitcoin, Ethereum, but a little bit of Monero and Dash. Dash has been uh, incredible, made an incredible run. In fact, uh, I shorted it and it just kept going. So I actually took a small loss on on that coin but mm-hmm. that's 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 part of the trading you know losses and yeah. winners and, and you just hope the winners or not that you hope but in general the winners are a little bigger than the losses that's how you overcome the you know, yeah, that was that was something we were just talking it. about right before we started recording was this kind of idea of like traders mm-hmm. are in some sense investors it's like you have to do due diligence on a lot of the coins that you potentially trade with and that allows you to really understand what the like in, like a potential of these things are, and maybe uh-huh. possibly invest in them. So, like, what what's your your baseline? Is this a scam? Is this worth getting into? Like, what are, what are your metrics for figuring out whether or not something's worth your time? Uh, that's a good, that's a very good question. Um, I think in general, trading requires less risk, meaning that. Imagine if it was a if the coin was a scam, 
then you technically only have to, you, you can get in and out really fast. And as an investor, you're technically like a shareholder. You, you are a holder. So if the if the coin is a scam, you might lose everything, every every investment, every dollar that you put into this, this coin. Whereas the trader is like, okay, well, my, my max my max loss is maybe like 15 to 20%, right? And then you just mm-hmm. get out. Even if it's a scam, the the market is relatively, if the market is relatively liquid, you don't like own like a couple million dollars or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you you could just dump it. So to control the risk from a trading perspective is much cleaner. As an investor, sometimes I I would say that like I have invested in a couple of altcoins, for example. Um, effectively, the risk is you lose it all, right? It's mm-hmm. boom or bust. So from that perspective, I feel that uh, trading has less risk. But I, I think generally, if it, if say Ethereum is going up forever, it's just better to hold it than trade it right so so bitcoin is coming up on a decade old now i think it's nine years this year it's gonna be 10 years old next year do you see it going away you see it having staying power i think that in general i think the idea of polychain or having multiple blockchains is going to happen you can kind of see that it has already segued into uh, ethereum and other kind of blockchain technology so a bitcoin is still going to be at the dominant chain i think because the merchants adoption right the, the recognition the branding is still going to be there um in my slow in terms of market cap percentage uh the whole digital space i think it it's gonna sl- slightly start falling uh falling behind other smaller chains when um when there's like right now there's some kind of ongoing uh uh, block block size debate, right? That that always concerns people in such a way that I think people are a little worried that why can't it scale more than three three transactions per second, whether it's SegWit or unlimited. I don't really have a preference, but I do think it's going to resolve sometime soon. And uh, I do think that there's a lot of other more powerful blockchain technologies, but at the same time, they are very immature like they're new and they're not tested unlike bitcoin so from that from that fundamental perspective i think that bitcoin is slowly gonna like shift its market cap uh to other chains but at the same time this whole space is growing so that means that everything is going to gain value but it's just that bitcoin is going to gain a smaller percentage of the market cap compared to the rest of the chain so bitcoin is like the mafia of the crypto world (laughs) it's going to take a small cut of all you little tiny coins, right, right. A lot, a lot, the, they call it the what? The, the gateway coin, right, to all the other coins. That's interesting. So like it's, it's it's a it's a new way of kind of looking at it. Especially interesting from from a trading perspective is that like if you just stick within the bubble of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is mm-hmm. the the gateway drug. It's it's what you store your money in. It's what you kind of use right. as your as your storage of value or a reserve currency when you're trading in and out of other currencies. It's always compared to Bitcoin. Typically, when you're doing right. these trades, you can trade a security, wrong. you can trade another coin, but the, the denomination is in Bitcoin, right? And that, that has been true even for Ethereum. You also have these other, like, because there's so many, I guess, variables that mm-hmm. you don't have to store your money in Bitcoin and trade within it. Like, you have, so there's not this one to one correspondence of the relationship between, say, Ethereum and Bitcoin. It's, mm-hmm. it's more, difficult than that because you have the US dollar exchanges of Ethereum. You have people going in and out of other currencies through Ethereum. You have, or, and, and this happens to all other cryptocurrencies. 
And so you have right, to make right. relationships to all of the different cryptocurrencies within, with respect to each other and then respect to other reserve currencies like gold and U.S. dollars. So it makes trading not so easy or not so like uh, straightforward. straightforward to come up with good metrics to figure out like wh what the price movement is going to be. Like how do you like you, it's it's hard to use traditional metrics for for trading to figure out like where, what uh -huh. the price is going to do because you have all of these different variables because it's denominated out. what you're saying is Corey, is that it's denominated in bitcoin so therefore if bitcoin gets real volatile unlike the us dollar which tends to be real stable right uh then it's hard to gauge what the price of these other coins when Bitcoin's already like a plus minus 15% a day. Yeah. And then you have all these coins on top of that that's just fluctuating like crazy. Um, mm. I, I think as, as the coin matures, like for example, like you can see that major fiat exchanges, other than Chinese exchanges, of course, I think they're in a little bit of trouble with the regulation. Uh, you see Kraken or Coinbase or uh, other uh, exchanges adding more and more like uh, up and coming uh, coins like like dash or monero or etc or eth you know so mm -hmm. so from that perspective as, as as the as the amount of money being exchanged for us dollar changes so you can see that on coin market cap that ethereum has a lot more volume lately traded in us and euro in euro and euro so as as more fiat currency gets traded i think that coin is going to get more stabilized and it kind of decouples from the bitcoin uh, dominance, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you can see that sometimes, like before, has always been Polonix leading the Ethereum price, right? But oh, nowadays, yeah. you can actually sometimes see Coinbase leading it. Like, it doesn't matter what Polonix is doing, Coinbase is buying it up. In fact, they have the highest premium right now in terms of price arbitrage um, at $30, $30 right now. So from that perspective, I think that as, as coin gets more adoption and more fee exchanges, Add on to it. It's just gonna. It's gonna stabilize like Bitcoin. People, it's gonna trade directly from fiat to whatever that coin is. Yeah, that mm. that 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 landscape changes drastically as we kind of create more on ramps to get into these different currencies too, so that you don't have to go through Bitcoin. So that only exacerbates this issue even more. Like it, it's it's good and bad in a lot of different. I wouldn't say bad. It's just different. It makes it more difficult. It's good in that it is an inflow mm -hmm. of capital into the entire market. That's right. Yeah, I, I think that I think Bitcoin in terms of I think people or some people are skipping Bitcoin or I, mean, I would say a small percentage. I, I think, you know, market dominance is 80 percent for yeah. Bitcoin right now. I think 79 right now. That's like that's AMD low. versus that's that's like AMD versus Intel. Nobody really cares about AMD um, until recently when they start making some market cap changes. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel that. Uh, it's going to slowly kind of shift towards more altcoins as, if they don't resolve the scaling issue. I've they, like, for example, like the rejection of the ETF was a huge catalyst recently mm -hmm. that really pushed altcoins to its huge new all-time high for many, many coins. Yeah. Uh, that's a huge sign of, uh, I, that's not my personal opinion, that's market saying that I don't think Bitcoin is doing very well. I should diversify some money into other coins just in case I missed the boat. Isn't that interesting that's, that's though that it's not that they're not taking their money out of crypto, they're just putting it in different cryptos. Whereas like, so a I, year and a half yeah, ago or two right. years ago, they would just say, Bitcoin's not doing well, I'm taking my money out of crypto. Now they're like, well, I'm let's done, look at all right? these other ones. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's the big thing for me is that the SEC decision didn't drop the price. One, it barely even touched the price of Bitcoin. There was that fluctuation during the day of, but now it's already recovered. But the other coins are doing phenomenal, which says that like that money is leaving Bitcoin, but it's not going back into fiat. It's going into other older altcoins. So I don't know. Interesting stuff's going on. I think people are realizing that the crypto space is legitimate. Like three years ago, like 2014, uh, there's so many Bitcoin is dead comments and whether this thing is, and there was not many merchant adoption, you know, uh, government or regulation, regulators didn't really recognize Bitcoin. But now people are realizing that this is a growing sector. I simply mm-hmm. want to just shift away from the dominant chain to a little bit. Just moving some money, maybe five percent, ten percent of my money into some other chains. Uh, that's that's how I see it, right? Uh, back yeah. then, people exactly what you described is that people would just withdraw into cur- uh, into uh, into fiat or buy a house with it, like that one guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you see this guy? I think he bought a house for like three hundred k with like uh, when Bitcoin was at like seven hundred dollars, and then so he exchanged a bunch of bitcoins and now and went to two hundred. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of painful, but that that was the, quite a different time. Yeah, it's, 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 like, uh, it kind of worries me a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Like, do you think there's an aspect of is it, because the the space has grown so much, we we hear not we're almost bombarded by media now. It's impossible to keep up with all the projects, and mm-hmm. it seems as though like everywhere you look, there's a new startup, there's a new idea, there's some somebody's building something. But at the end of the day, like we fundamentally can't scale on any blockchain yet. And so we have mm-hmm. all this crazy hype and a lot of money being mm-hmm. pumped into it based on promises from that hype, but no real like uh, show for 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 like scaling to where things need to be for that hype to be real. Do you think that that could potentially create a bubble in later in the future, or that or like we'll just end up figuring it out? No. Uh, when you say scaling, like like a visa scaling, like like you're talking about like massive, like one thousand transactions per per, or I don't know what you're trying to say. What, what, what you meant like, by in terms scaling. of like real world adoption scale, like if mm-hmm. we want, even if we just want people to use it for the base currency, like we'll just take Bitcoin for example. There's no way that's going to happen. You take any of the current blockchain implementations, if you try and scale mm-hmm. up to what their ideology is and what they're trying to do, like Ethereum with enterprise or you know many many people creating DApps. They can't scale based on that transaction load. Uh, but nevertheless, everyone's building projects and everyone's trying to do something very new. I'm curious I see, I see to see, like, we, we have yet to, like, these, these new changes that come up on us. And mm-hmm. a lot's going to pivot based on how well those changes go through. I see, I see. I, I, my perspective on that, on, on that is that uh, when the speculation part of of investment and trading is always ahead of the actual fundamentals. Usually, usually, mm-hmm. I mean, th- there might be like surprising news, right? Like ETF rejection or whatever. Uh, but generally speaking, the, the fundamentals usually lags speculation, just like the stock market is ahead of the economy by about six to nine months, right? Um, the interest rate starts shifting before the Fed announces things like that are, are, are mm-hmm. key indicators that the, the price of speculation sometimes happen at before adoption because when 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 adoption is about to come people are already buying this stuff up that people are not going to buy it when it's getting adopted 
Uh, if you remember in 2013, when the bubble went to $1,000 in Bitcoin, uh, the adoption came after the price started coming back down. Amazon started, mm -hmm. you know, Amazon true. gift cards, uh, a lot of uh, Dell accepting or Microsoft uh, Xbox cards were, or a lot of other egifter.com were adopted after the fact that the speculation came in first. So the speculators are real, real good about, you know, gauging the market sentiment in terms of when the adoption is coming in. Um, a, a perfect, another example, in, not in Bitcoin, but in Ethereum is that uh, when the Homestead uh, dev announcement was announced, the price started going up before the, the four came in. This is this is the uh, homestead uh, from from the from the beta stage to or from the initial launch. The, I think it's from Frontier to Homestead. That's yeah. the mm -hmm. that's the major version of Ethereum. Exactly. So it actually the price started appreciating way before the actual fork came in, and that's when people knew that adoption is going to come in for Ethereum. So and you know the Phoenix start accepting a lot of other exchanges start accepting Ethereum at the height of price speculation, not at the bottom. So to answer your question, I, I think the, the, the speculation aspect is oh, there's always going to be a little bit of bubble. There's always going to be a lot of growth. When there's a lot of growth, there's a lot of speculation and there's a lot of bubble and it always ha happens ahead of time. So uh, I, I, if there's a lot of speculation, I think that that's a good thing for Bitcoin, whether people are trading or people are people are just investing in this space. Mm -hmm. See, I, I think I think we're thinking about scaling wrong. That's just my like shower <laughs> thoughts on scaling. I definitely do think that it's it's one of those things where we 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 haven't really been faced with the problem yet. There's a mm -hmm. lot of smart people working on the problem. And when you get a lot of smart people in a room, you start getting all sorts of solutions to all sorts of failure modes, but no one's seen the failure mode of millions of people trying to get their hands on Bitcoin all at one time. Nobody has seen that yet. And we haven't seen what happens when that happens yet. And we don't know how to solve that problem. And so everyone is trying to solve this problem that we don't even know we have because we haven't seen flocks and flocks and flocks of people trying to get their hands on Bitcoin for whatever need they need it for. And until you... You know, you can have everybody has a car, but until you don't know you need gas stations on every corner until that problem comes and people are running out of gas out in fields and dying of starvation. <laughs> You're like, well, we should probably do something about this. Let's make some sort of thing where they can get gas while they're on the road. Oh, we'll call it a gas station. There it is. And so I think that's kind of the scaling debate is a huge debate. and It's always going to be a debate until we actually get hit with the problem. And we have, we're not going to get hit with that problem for some years unless people up and tomorrow decide they want to um, start getting their hands on some Bitcoin. But that's what I think it is. So you're saying that you, have, you own the car and then be like, then I need the gas station. It's never the other way around, right? Well, I just think that <laughs> whenever like, new technology is adopted, the things, the infrastructure that scales it out isn't built until it's needed. Oh, the, the like, old saying only, goes, you know. Innovation is the sorry necessity is the mother of innovation. You know, right. if there's you a build if there's a demand for it. Yep, I, I there's build a demand for us. You know, and, and and right now I just don't think I think outside of the small people that get plucked into the crypto community on a daily basis, there's not these massive. It's not like people are getting Bitcoin like they're downloading Pokemon Go. Like 
Let's just be real. <laughs> like it's not happening. <laughs> so, and if it were, there would be much. It'd be, I don't know what would happen because we haven't faced it. So, I think once that problem actually, when the shit hits the fan, and you know where whatever population on the globe is deciding they actually need Bitcoin to for commerce, they need it for cash, they need it for storage of value like it's not just some fun money for a bunch of nerds that's when it's like that's when we're going to see if we can scale or not because right now all this nonsense i see on a daily basis it just means oh it's just a bunch of smart people in a room arguing about something great that's going to go on forever that can go well, it has on been going on time. forever that's true <laughs> yeah it's you're stating well, a fact here it's not that's, that's one of those things <laughs> that i guess andreas talked about that he kind of tried to uh-huh. point out on how like he, he used the analogy of how the internet scaled over over time and kind of morphed and changed and and always was never enough to do the next level thing that people were thinking about doing it was always good enough to handle the current state and then something would happen and then you're allowed different applications that could work like for right now bitcoin can't scale mm-hmm. to enterprise applications or things that are not financial but it deals with the financial aspect pretty well and then later on when we come up with new technology on top of it then those applications will work but they'll enable new applications that it won't be able to handle so as long as the technology scales gracefully as as andreas antonopoulos puts it then it continues to grow but never breaks and it's just a matter of making sure that you do it and you scale gracefully in a very secure way which we've done and throughout the history of Bitcoin, there's no reason to think that that won't continue to happen. But us people who are in it, listening to it, reading all the blogs are pretty, pretty tired of hearing the same damn argument over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, you know, like just with any like imagine a startup company, right? It, it, like with the new technology, right? Whether it's bit, bit, uh, Bitcoin Core or or unlimited. Uh, you're gonna have these roadblocks when when adoption comes in, right? Twitter, for example, uses uh, Ruby Ruby on Rails, uh, and they had some serious trouble when they come to massive user base. They don't really consider that when they're small, you know. Why bother considering it when you know speculators are jumping in? The problem only hits the fan, like the metric says, you know, after after the fact in many ways. Yep. Uh, the curse of premature optimization. Yeah. And That's it's very expensive, right, to develop something that scales before it needs to be scaled. It's like, let's have a pilot, right? Is is does it work? Does the con is the concept <laughs> sound, right? Why bother making this whole complicated thing when, when you know you're limited on resources? Every every developer is limited on resources. There's no need to do that. But it's it's a it's, yeah. there's this there's this extra layer of of difficulty that's mm-hmm. added to it because what we're dealing with is people's lives. The more people mm-hmm. who who base their wealth on this currency, the more mm-hmm. it's imperative that the currency works as it should. Because if it breaks, you ruin a lot of people's lives. Or like if Twitter breaks, who gives a shit? Some, somebody can't tweet about something they're doing. Well, I Trump do, Corey. Be, people but... need to know. Yeah, Trump, <laughs> our, our leader, Corey, needs Twitter. Twitter yeah, can't break. I'm not making fun of him. I'm saying that like he tweets a lot, so he'd be upset. So. <laughs> Very upset. Um, them little hands. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. When it comes to money, especially when the prices gets real volatile, I think people are gonna be uh, a little skeptical. You know, people prefer 
a little more like I have, you know, uh, many of my friends uh, are uh, have different varying of risk tolerance, right? And the most tolerance, you know, the YOLO and the and the FOMO type is obviously very into Bitcoin because it's really volatile. They don't care about a 15% move or whatever. <laughs> and there are very conservative people, you know, like on the other end of the spectrum, and they they look at wow, my yearly S and P return is six percent or ten percent last year or yeah, average on average right <laughs> so I, I mean like that's a day yeah or maybe half of a day or maybe a couple of minutes right like yeah. the, it's like how i cannot accept that so the only way they can <laughs> even get i convinced them i was like okay well this is what you do you cannot control bitcoin's volatility because you know you're not a whale what you can do is control how much money you put in and maybe i recommend you put in just a small percentage five percent move five percent of your account balance so then if bitcoin moves ten percent you know you move 0.5 percent that's a pretty reasonable you know a pretty reasonable move for a portfolio so so as i i think that as bitcoin grows and then scaling becomes not so big of a problem then then the volatility should calm down and it becomes more of a commodity that gets traded in and out across international exchanges that's what i hope for and i think you know they're they're there are people who argue whether it's a settlement layer or a cash storage or whatever. Um, as the as the as the sector grows, you is the price gets stabilized, and that's that's a fact, right? The more mature companies, the more mature uh, a, a a system or a sector is, the the more less volatile it gets. Yeah, so, and that's so, what I hope um, for. More so about you. Let's focus on you. What are you working on now? Yeah. Uh, so from last time, uh, I was I was trying to have have a crowdfund for a <laughs> for a uh, for a crowdfund on Ethereum, and uh, I I don't think it, I think the regulation and the uh, dual diligence has definitely set me back. So uh, right now, what I'm doing is I'm doing a lot of private investment, um, but personally, and at the same time, I manage uh, our clients fund privately. Um, as a consultant rather than a money manager, if that makes sense. So the way it works is that I simply manages their account balance through API keys, and with that effect, uh, with that uh, effectively, I don't ever touch their money. I cannot withdraw their money. I simply just manage it as a mm -hmm. consultant using our automated execution uh, module. And that's that's I think is the best for everyone. I we don't have to worry about any regulations because it's their money. I never get to touch it. It's I don't have any power of attorney over them. So that uh, and I think our, everybody is pretty happy so far with uh, everything. Literally every single coin is going up. So pretty good. Do do you have a business like where, like sell yourself here? Get some get oh, some yeah. clients. We got people they listen to our show. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, my company is IBB Capital. Uh, it segued from my my blog ibankbitcoins.com I, uh, I I usually post my trades on Twitter and my blog I have a, I have a track record you guys are interested uh, on my uh, a verifiable track record on my on my blog for Ethereum Bitcoin over the last two years a two a little more than two years uh, so, so if anybody was interested they, you can contact us uh, we could do some consulting we'll probably meet you uh, through a Skype call or something that uh, informal process so there you I, go. I, I think in general, I think that people, you know, like people are skeptical about other people managing people's money. You know, there's people like Madoff or whatever. But yeah. so we want to keep it Definitely. low profile. We want to keep it so then the client 
clients. Money is clients. We never really have any power over them. We simply just consult and give them trading signals rather than rather than you know actually holding their money. You know, holding someone's money is real difficult. I think it's it's very very. It has fiduciary duty. Has a lot of regulations in different part of the world. So I think that's kind of one of the, the the shining lights of this new technology and a lot of the I guess the peripheral technologies that are putting up around it is this is our ability to get rid of those fiduciary responsibilities of handling someone's money or handling someone's data and being responsible for it. Like the technology mm-hmm. puts the responsibility of maintaining your shit in your own in your own hands but allows other people to then give you tools or access it in a way that doesn't give them full control and right as as i think time moves forward that's going to become the shift of how people manage their lives with respect to whatever digital asset or or identity that they may have they're going to own it and give rights to people to manage it and that's got very transparent and, and, and kind of easy to do yeah i think that's with, that's so amazing that it has transformed from the last like 10 years. Back then, you, the only choice you have mutual fund or hedge fund if you're a credit and maybe a couple of stocks, right? Nowadays, you could get any, say like you go to trade, trade, trade signals or uh, interactive broker. There's plenty of like trading bots, algorithmic bots, anything that can only manages your US dollar. They can only see your US dollar or your euro they don't even know what your balance. They don't even know your email, your account balance, or your your or your name or your email. They don't know any of that information. They only know that there's account balance, and my goal for the spot is to increase that value. You yeah. know, and that's it, so it, fascinating. It's, that it's also like you don't like have to. Uh, what was I going to say? Like it's it's a, it's a technology of inclusion. So a lot of people who couldn't get into these types of investments beforehand are able to just have like a, a heyday. They're it's almost too much to handle for people who've never haven't spent their lives getting into these secret clubs for investment. Well, I think it, yeah, like technology has the, the API key layer has definitely enabled a lot of new services. I guess that's what that's why I call them. I call I don't I'm not a money manager. I'm I'm a, I'm a service provider. Uh, that's that's kind of very that's very appealing to me and uh, I think that's the best way to go forward for any new clients I, I think for any, even any new like money money management services um, so I, I think that's the best so uh, like I think that like on ethereum for example uh, there's a lot there's even a bigger bigger like prospect of being able to crowdfund new companies like traditionally if you want to I live in Silicon Valley and if you want to get funding, you got to go to these Y incubator meetings and schedule. You need connection, you know? Right now, you could just kind of self-advertise online and have a crowd sell if you like for your mm, developed yeah. project. That's amazing. I wonder how long that's going to last, these kind of the, 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 crowd, the crowd sale bubble of 2017. Like, it's, <laughs> is that going to be something we look back <laughs> on and say, like, whoever had an ICO got a shitload of money and that no longer happens? Or you think this is something that because it's a technology of inclusion, and you can broadcast uh-huh. it over the world so quickly. This is just going to keep on happening for any good idea that people may have. It's it's shocking. It's shocking that what you say is so true. But it's so shocking that the next ICO seems to get more money. That's the the <laughs> shocking thing. So so I I do think speculation. There's a little bit of bubble, but at the same time, I'm looking at the most recently added to like today. I think it was added yesterday or today. 
Mellon port was added and they raised $2.5 million. And today it's traded at a market cap of like 10 million or something ridiculous. Like, or I'm sorry, what is it? 13 million. So I, I don't see, I don't know. They, they, their timeline is two and a half years. And I'm not saying they're good or bad. I'm just saying that there's rampant speculation based on market value of mm-hmm. this company. And it doesn't seem like it's going away. And I think there's a fundamental difference in terms of equity or, or technically not only your, your, they say you own some tokens, right? But you're technically just owning the equity because they're not issuing those anymore and they pay dividends and so on and so forth or some kind of utility token, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a more traditional startup, you have rounds, right? You have seed money, series A to the whatever. Uh, each round, you give up maybe like 20% or 25% of your equity. In, 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 in the ICO sense, you literally give up almost all of your equity, like 80% or 75%, right? Almost all of ICOs. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and the, the, I think the long-term problem is that when these companies start running out of funding maybe three, four years in, what will happen? Because the 20% equity that they still own for the company is not going to be able to sustain um, the kind of growth that the company needs, right? Because you need, as the company grows, the 20%, you should technically, as a company, you should own like maybe 50% and only 50% to investors uh, for long-term growth. Because you got to issue stock options, you got to have, you got to, you got to, you know, fund development. You got to hire more people as the company grows. So I think people are just kicking the can down the road uh, for that problem. We'll see what happens in a couple of years. But right now, I don't see I don't see any 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 problem with ICO business because it seems like every single ICO that comes out and then gets traded just becomes more expensive, which is amazing. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, some of these tokens too. I don't know. Some of them are are like kind of fluffy. We've interviewed quite a lot. I'm not throwing any names, no names under the bus. But a lot of times I hear these tokens and I'm like, oh, oh, that's what you do. Okay. That's like the the last four people we had on the show do. (laughs) What what it is it like? Is it like some kind of like like fluff wording or? It's just whenever people start using all the buzzwords and fluff words, you kind of get the crooked eye. You know what I mean? Just like, hmm, I've seen uh, this before. I hmm. see. I see. Did you? It looks like you're. Is this a commercial? Am I in a commercial? I don't know. That's just the feeling I get. It's the gut feeling. Kind of cool. Who knows? There's, there's some of these guys are doing really great things, and if people can grasp, um, you know, it's it's what's weird now is I meet a lot of people. In fact, I'm going to interview someone tomorrow right. that is in love with blockchain and literally knows nothing about Bitcoin. So this is going to be a first for me. Because uh, she was, you know, she That's just true. loves blockchain and she knows nothing about Bitcoin. So what's neat is that as more people like that come into the space, it only bolsters up altcoins and, and ICOs and all this other stuff because those people are none the wiser to Bitcoin. They don't even care about it. I mean, look at, look at just, like uh, Numerai, the, the guys we interviewed the other day who do mm-hmm. who like leverage data scientists to, to manage to make models for hedge funds. The guys who come into mm-hmm. that are essentially coming from Kaggle. They know nothing about Bitcoin or blockchain. They just want a platform that allows them to make models for a hedge fund and potentially make money on them. They don't care how that works, right? Yep. So right. They get into the space and they learn about the technology through something that like wasn't just pure ideology or like curiosity that most of us got into it for. 
I think that's true for everything, right? Uh, not for everything, but particular, but for any new sector. Some people are in it for the money, you know. They're pro-profit, right? And mm-hmm. uh, you, can, you can't blame them. <laughs> Hell no. Pro-profit. They're, they don't care about the, the so like. There's, I'm, 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 a, I'm a partnered, part pro-profit guy who trades on the crypto space. But in many ways, I feel like some people are just in it for the money. Like, how do I arbitrage between the two exchanges to make a buck? And by, by doing that, I provide a service to make sure that every exchange has equal pricing and I provide liquidity, right? That's the arbitrage guy's goal, right? The market maker's goal, I just want to make the spread. I don't care where Bitcoin goes. The spread for Ethereum right now is, a, is 1%. I just want to make a 1% spread of market making every single time I trade. And that's perfect for me. I'm happy with that, you know? And there are the on the op- opposite spectrum. There's the nerd that really believes that cryptocurrency is going to be the future of finance and banking, and and people are their holders most likely. And and I think there's going to be a spectrum of people that has that has a lot of interest and uh, a, mm-hmm. a lot of a, a lot of uh, a lot of different priorities in terms of how they how they see the blockchain. And in your case, it seems like people just want to jump into this on the ship to make a buck. Yep. Some people, like Corey was just talking about, these other people, it's, they're getting in because there's an actual use case for it. So mm-hmm. I hope there's more people like that. Like that. Well, I'm but, curious to kind of try and speculate on assigning the like change of wealth in the system to the percentage of these types of people. Like we have this distribution of people who jump into the space. Mm-hmm. What 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 is their respective influence to the space in regards to price like a lot of people are jumping in the space but they they make no difference in regards to what happens and then like, well, is, is is the distribution very much like you know your normal distribution where like a very small percentage of the people manage the manage the price or is it yeah it, distrib- that has always been true for wealth i think i, I think it's it's the, it's called the power law distribution uh where very the huge the top couple of people the the one percenter that's why i call them whatever right. uh you know a couple of people owns a huge share mountain mountain share of whatever whatever the uh the product or the underlying price or the number of coins and you have a lot of people owning a smaller percentage and a smaller percentage but as the industry grows generally this power law distribution gets shifted towards more and more and distributed towards the lower the, the number of people gets shifted towards more and more people yeah. But for any a new adoption, like if you look at just look at the ICOs, right? For for a new coin, you should, you could you could see that a couple of addresses just own a mountain share, like 40 percent of the actual company, which is mm-hmm. that has been true for even most of the stock market as well. So I believe that Bitcoin is always going to be like that. Some people are just really good at making money, man. Like like some people are just really good. Like there's just <laughs> I need like to some know people, these people. Are, like. Gordon, like, if you ask me, like, how can I compete with Gordon Ramsay, like, for cooking? Like, that's not possible. Like, he's just really good at it, man. And some people are really good at, like, <laughs> making money, man. Like, I, it's, 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 that's how, that's why there's a power law. Like, like, it's not normal distribution. It's not like a, a, a linear distribution, like, or not linear, but like progressively, um, equally balanced distribution or flat line or whatever uniform it's 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 uniform that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a nerd i should really know that um but uh it, it, it's crazy some people are just really good at picking out investments and and having a lot of wealth and try to buy this stuff up 
So you just you just shattered some dreams when there's some people out there who are like I could do this if I just try really really hard. No, I mean nope. so, I mean like it takes a long time to get good <laughs> at something, but don't get me yeah, wrong, once you true. get good at it like it's like it's hard to beat those people, man. Like, it's true. capitalism. So so it's even if you're really good it might take some time, right? Because you need the amount of, it takes capital to make capital. Um, I think I mean, that's I, that's the perfect that's the perfect way to wrap this up. I think we'll we'll give you the same same ending question we give everyone else. I don't. I think we stopped giving this. I feel like we haven't asked. I think it. we've actually. You asked me this last time. So. Yeah, I know. Maybe it's changed over the past. I don't know, year and a half since we've had you on. What? What? Can you explain? Fuck it. Can you explain blockchain in ten words or less? Yeah, distributed. It's a decentralized distributed ledger. Is that the same answer you gave That's, last time? No. Uh, I might. Last time you asked me what. <laughs> last time you asked me what. What does in ten words or less describe what is Bitcoin? Yeah. And I said magic internet money. At uh, the time. You did magic yeah. internet money. Okay, good. Magic yeah. internet money. You're changing, because you're changing to, your answer. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to explain that to my dad, uh, well, he understands Bitcoin now, but the first time I explained to him, it's magic internet money, and then he's like, "Oh, wow, I could send this thing to China for like a dollar." That's and he spent like fifty dollars on a wire to China. You know, it's it's a pretty good deal, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. So, well, so thanks for stopping by again, ma'am. And, yeah, that's and great. Thanks for participating in great. Slack as well. And we're gonna keep our trying. We we don't trade anywhere near the capacity of people. I'm sure that you uh, talk with and communicate with, but we're still gonna keep trying. So. You guys are awesome. I listen to you guys <laughs> almost every other week, like when I'm on the train, when I'm on the plane. It's a great oh. man. I love Ooh. to be on here. Yeah. And you're also in the Slack for those who are awesome. listening. You want to get a get a talk at talk at Win? Join the Slack. He's there. Yeah, man. Yep. So you, I'll be on Slack. You guys can ask me some questions. You, any viewers? Cool. It'll be on Twitter as well. You follow me. Follow everybody. Follow Curry. <laughs> <laughs> all right man let's call it a day thanks for uh thanks for coming on the show thank you thank you <laughs>